Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the special edition of Live 270 brought to you by Brownsville Tech Live. And in the house tonight, we've got Eddie Garcia. He is currently running for Cameron County Tax Assessor Collector. Mr. Garcia, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for accepting our invitation. Um, I will say I'm very proud to have you, and I'm glad that you're actually the first Democrat to actually appear on our show. Well, I'm honored to be here, and it's very important for the general public, the voters, to get to know their candidates and get to understand who we are. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt that, you know, uh, it's important for the voters out there, especially I think we've got less than a month to go before the election. I think early voting starts even sometime towards this month, right? Correct? February 20th through March 1st is uh, early voting, and then uh, March 5th is uh, the election day. Yes, and I want to remind everybody, because a few people have made mistakes when they actually go vote, they need to, they need to specifically ask which ballot they want to vote for. You know, I've seen many times people get the wrong ballot. They can't return it. So it's very important that if you're voting Democrat, you ask for a Democratic ballot. And if you're voting Republican, you ask for a Republican ballot. So That's correct. Uh, during these primary elections, that's the way it is. And then in November, well, uh, they can vote uh, across uh, the lines. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Mr. Garcia, um, just to give the viewers out there that may not know who you are, can you give us a little bit of a, a little bit about yourself, where you're from, well, what you've done? Yes, and... uh, my name's Eddie Garcia, like uh, you know, we've been saying. And I was born here in Brownsville, but uh, my parents at the time, it was my younger sister and myself out of six that we were born here in Brownsville. So I attended school in Mexico at uh, an elementary called Jose Adolfo Lopez Mateos. Uh, I lived in uh, Matamoros for my first eight years or so. Then I attended uh, Putnet Elementary, Clearwater Elementary, Central Junior High, Hannah High School, and eventually I graduated from Porter High School in 1984 and attended Texas Southmost College as well. So that's pretty much, uh, you know, what, uh, who I am. And uh, well, as far as uh, jobs are concerned, I started working at an early age. I, I joined the workforce uh, in my junior year of high school at a grocery store, store called uh, Foodland or Warehouse Grocery right there on Mexico Boulevard. Later, I joined the police force and retired honorably after 32 years of service. And I'm also an Air Force veteran, uh, and I got up to the rank of sergeant uh, there in the Air Force. Well, it's good to know that I'm talking to a fellow Porter graduate. Uh, I graduated actually in 1989, just four years after you did. So we're both Porter I'm Cowboys. A cowboy, always a cowboy. Always a cowboy, that's for sure. Well, definitely one of the things I wanted to ask you is what made you decide to run for uh, for county tax assessor collector? I mean, I know you're you're currently serving right now as a BISD school board member. Well, after my retirement in 2020, 
my initial thoughts, uh, I was going to run for seat commission. But two weeks after my retirement, they called on me if I would consider running or not running, but uh, accept an appointment to the school board oh, uh, right. from January that's all the way through November when they were going to have uh, the elections. That is and my, my wife is a retired uh, educator as well. So I heard my wife talking about the school board, well, not the school board, but the school district, everything that was going on and this and that. And once I got onto the school board and seeing things firsthand, I could turn my back on the school district. And that is the reason why I decided to run for the school board. I've been a public servant all my life. Again, you know, because uh, I served in the military, so I served my country. I served uh, my community since I was a police officer for 32 years. And I serve on other uh, uh, boards as well. I serve on a financial board on the Brownsville City Employees Federal Credit Union. I've been on that board for over 20 years and uh, held different positions uh, within the board. And currently I'm the vice president of that organization. I've also served, uh, well, I'm serving on the school board. It's already been four years. My first two years, I was the board president for the school board. I also serve in a uh, health center board. I've been on that health center board since 2008. 15 years out of those 15 years, 14 years, I've been the I was the chairman of the board. I decided to step down since uh, I needed to concentrate on this campaign. So these are some of the things that I've done. And uh, that's why I want to continue serving, uh, you know, the public. Right. Well, one of the things that comes to mind, and I know that I had one of the other candidates from on the other side of the aisle that I think is running for the position as well. And I asked him, and I'll ask you this question is, what does, <laughs> what does a county tax assessor collector do? Can you give us a brief idea? Because a lot of people don't know. <laughs> Well, you know what, it, it's interesting because uh, the tax office is a constitutional office right. that is charged with the duties by state statutes that uh, to collect the ad valorem taxes. And these taxes are identified and valued by the Cameron Appraisal District. Correct. Under chapter six of the tax code, uh, the responsibilities of the tax assessor collector are primarily to collect the property property taxes. Mm. Uh, currently, the tax office collects the taxes for about 52 taxing entities. Uh, there's about 16 municipalities, five school districts, four drainage districts, 10 special districts like the Port of Brownsville, and 16 others. It also collects the beer, wine, and liquor licensing fees. So oh, wow. this office is extremely important. Right. I didn't Go realize ahead. there was that many taxing entities. I mean, I know that when I get my appraisal district uh, letter, I guess every May, I think it's every May, uh, 
you know, I see BISD, I see South Texas ISD, I see, you know, the city of Brownsville, BISD, and then, of course, you're correct. I also have a few special districts because I live over here by, uh, in the Hudson properties, I have to pay, uh, like, uh, a, a special Hudson. mud district or water district yes, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it, it's a different entity, so like I said, because... Here we pay the port of Brownsville in Harlingen. They, they pay the port of Harlingen. So there's many different entities that the tax uh, tax assessor's office collects the uh, you know these taxes from. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you. You know, uh, what do you think you bring to to the position as far as you know what what professional qualifications uh, that you've uh, done in the past? Uh, do you think that will enhance? Uh, the position should you be elected? Leadership. Mm -hmm. Leadership is extremely important. Like, like I said earlier, uh, within the police department, I held many different responsibilities uh, I, that uh, were very challenging. Mm -hmm. Of course, everyone starts as a patrol officer. Luckily, uh, uh, then I went on to become a detective. I worked with a youth services division. So I dealt with uh, the troubled youth, yeah. and it was an opportunity that gave me to deal with these uh, children, with these young adults, mm -hmm. uh, and try to help them out. I tried talking to them, and it's interesting because now as adults, when they come across me, you know, they come to me and they ask me, do you remember me? And of course, I mean, they were anywhere between 10 and 16 years of age. Right. So it's very rewarding to have these young men now come over and let me know that there was a difference that was made during that process. Yeah. Um, I also dealt uh, with emergency management uh, during the, uh, Ben Reina, the chief, and uh, Victor Rodriguez. I was assigned as an assistant emergency management coordinator. Uh, later on, I dealt with uh, purchasing. Uh, I was in charge of uh, going out and getting uh, the RFPs, RFQs for uh, the uniforms, leather gear, stuff like that. Uh, I was in charge of the property and evidence uh, division, something that not just anybody can go in there. That's a, an extremely responsible uh, position to have because it's dealing with any evidence that gets collected involving uh, crimes, uh, anyway, right. from anything all the way up to murders. Right. So these are things, uh, I was a training officer. I was a background investigator. So I did many different things within the department. And like I stated earlier, also, uh, I've been a leader in a health center board. I've been a leader at an education board. I've been a leader in a financial board. And something that I failed to mention was that during my term from 2012 to 2016, I served on a National Advisory Council on Migrant Health. That position I applied for through uh, a letter to the United States Secretary of Health. And I was uh, selected uh, one of 16 members from, from throughout the United States. And what we did in that uh, advisory council is we traveled throughout the U.S. once uh, every quarter, and we met with migrant workers, and then eventually we formulated a letter of recommendation uh, 
to the U.S. Secretary of Health. Uh, my fourth year in that uh, council, uh, I was the acting chair uh, for that organization as well. So leadership is something that I bring to the table that uh, I've been in leadership positions. Well, that's that's good to know because, you know, a lot of times, you know, we elect people that don't have qualifications and it's good to know that we've got a public servant like yourself that's had more than 30 years of experience in various capacities so that is something positive I think that we we definitely want to want to see our future leaders uh, have you know one of the things that I want to talk a little bit about is what you foresee as what the biggest issues right now are with the current uh, tax assessor collector office what do you think the the big two or three, two or three issues are uh, right now that you would like to improve. Well, so, something that I failed to mention, uh, also going back to why is it that I want to run now for this position, with the property evaluations that just recently happened, uh, you know, that's a big concern. Right, concerns coming from the taxpayers what they're having to go through as a result of all this. Right. The struggles that our taxpayers are going through are real. And I know what it is, uh, what these struggles are, because I lived that with my parents. Yeah. My parents were, for example, my parent, my dad. My dad was, you know, a minimum wage employee. Right. And he did that for 42 years with the Harlingen Irrigation District, number one. My mother was a cook. So I know the struggles that people go through, what it is, you know, to try to make ends meet. So because of this, this is why I want to continue to run now for this position. I hear many different things that are happening within the office. And some of the things that we need to do is we need to help educate people on how it is that they need, that they can help themselves uh, in the tax, during tax season. Mm -hmm. Educating them on simple things like homestead exemption. Are they 65 and over? You know, very simple things that the tax office should be doing, right. helping them out. And there's plenty more that can be done, you know, but these are some of the things. Aside from that, also, some of the things that I hear that the tax office needs to do is represent Cameron County. Right. Some of the complaints or concerns, I should say, from our taxpayers is that, uh, the representative from that office doesn't make it out throughout Cameron County. Hmm. La Feria, Santa Rosa, Harlingen, Rio Hondo, South Padre Island, they are part of Cameron County. Mm -hmm. It's not just Brownsville. And that is something that any taxpayer, or I should say any elected official gets elected by those taxpayers and we represent them. We should not forget them. They brought us to the office. We should be there for them. 
one of the things that I've been telling people when I'm, I've been uh, walking around is in my push cards, there's a telephone number. That telephone number, if they were to go onto the BISD website, that telephone number is there. Mm -hmm. So that if anyone has any complaints, ideas, concerns, they can call. And that is exactly what I intend to do once I go into this office. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I know from my own personal experience in the past with the tax office has been the lack of customer service. I can tell you that uh, a few years back, um, they had an office over at Southmost. And by the way, I think they just opened one recently. But they, they used to be in the, what was the Brownsville Police Department. Right. The Brown, yeah, the BPD was there and so forth. And I kid you not, one time I went there because I needed to renew my my license plates. And the line was long. Well, it wasn't that long. It was like five people ahead of me. And it just so happened that it was like maybe 11.50 in the morning. And I finally got to the window and the girl just shut the window and said, sorry, I got to go to lunch. See you later. Come back after one. And I'm like, really? You know? Well, I'm glad you brought that up <laughs> because customer service is extremely important. Yeah. Like I said, I said that uh, I started working when I was a junior in high school. By the time that I graduated from high school, I was an assistant manager. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things that I told the employees is, if there's any issues, any complaints, let me know, let me take care of them, you know? And yes, customer service is very important. Yeah. And it is great to have all these offices, but I'm a firm believer that it's not about quantity of officers, uh, offices. It's about the quality of service that is provided. Yeah. So quantity, no. Quality, yes. Yeah. Now, there's a new office that's being uh, opened. Uh, as a matter of fact, tomorrow is uh, the ribbon cutting ceremonies which is, do I agree with that? No, and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, the offices were, uh, services were being provided there at the Southmost Center. And uh, the person that's in charge of that office uh, during the groundbreaking stated that the chief of police had reached out to him and asked them if he needed more space to provide services. Mm -hmm. And his response was, no, I'm going to open a new office. Mm. Now, how fiscal responsible is that when you have free, uh, free space, no right. overhead, being provided, and now you're spending $2.8 million. That's one. Yeah. Now you're going to have overhead. That's two. And now you're having to employ more employees. Right. So while quantity does not supersede quality. Right. And that is something that we need to take a look at and improve on that. And I know what you're talking about because during uh, my time with the police department, 
I worked out of the Southmost Community Network Center. So I know the operation on how all that worked. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is I know that there's been some outsourcing to some private entities. Uh, there's one here by my house. And I'll be honest with you, I prefer going there because I don't have to wait in line. You know, if I go downtown, <laughs> I have to wait. You know, I may have to wait in the line. What's your position on expanding that? I mean, they seem to be doing a pretty decent job. I like it, but I I, I don't know how – I don't think it's more expensive or is it more expensive to renew your license? In Like, for example, I'll name the, the outfit. It's Gateway. I think their name is Gateway. I mean, is that – am I paying more when I use them versus going down to the office downtown or – I don't know. I can't answer that, but yeah. I know that at the banks, Lone Star uh, National Banks, it is a free service that is provided. That's another location yeah. where people can go and pay their taxes. And it's something, again, that it goes back to uh, being able to let the public know, be more accessible. Do I believe in partnerships? Most definitely, I do believe in partnerships, yeah. as long as there's no excessive fees. I would like for no fees, yeah. but if there is, uh, it would have to be limited fees. And as long as it's a benefit both to the public and to the county. Yeah. Now, as you know, we started off as a technology show. And one of the things I asked uh, one of the other candidates prior was, you know, maybe one of the things we could do, especially with the long lines downtown, is introducing kiosks, you know, like they have at the airport, where now you don't, you know, when you go to the airport, you don't have to go to the counter and do the normal kind of stuff. Would you be willing to look at that, you know, as far as kiosks for certain things? Definitely. That That is uh, something to look at. Yeah. And uh, already, I mean, people can pay their taxes online as well. Correct. Correct. So that is something that uh, definitely people need to, uh, you know, be informed. We need to do more of an education to the taxpayers on the services that are being provided and how they can make it easier and simpler for them. Uh, one of the things, like whenever there's long lines there at the main office, it's as simple as, well, one of the things that I hear is that sometimes there's only six lanes open uh, inside and there's like five ten other lanes inside closed and you have people in the background walking around yeah. well you know what why can't we have one of those uh personnel come up front let the general public know uh you know that there's other locations where they can go and expedite the process for themselves right for example like you said this uh, place that's close to your residence or to the banks, it doesn't take but a couple of minutes to let the public know you don't have to wait in line. There's these other places where you can do it. And yes, kiosks would be something that uh, can be done. And you can have one employee going around assisting if somebody needs extra assistance in the process right so other things that we need to take a look at that i hear are the hours of operation that is something that we need to take a look at to again help the public not lose any time from their work 
Absolutely. Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk a little bit about, and you mentioned it with regards to taxes, and I didn't know this until the other candidate that I interviewed a while back uh, mentioned it, was I wasn't aware that there was actually payment plans available that the taxpayer could take advantage of it. Of, I mean, I remember just like you, my parents, you know, October would come around and they knew that property taxes were due. And there they were, they were trying to figure out how, how they were going to pay because they had up to January. But I had no idea there was payment plans available, you know. Yes, there is. Uh, because uh, pretty much every entity, they have their own tax collection attorneys. Mm -hmm. So the same thing with the uh, tax assessor collector's office. Right. And that is something that I want to take a look at as well once I, I'm in the uh, I'm in office once I get elected. Uh, my understanding is that the tax collection attorneys, uh, they have been there already for over 10 years. Mm. And my concern is, is the fees that are being charged. Right. People that are back in taxes, if these are high fees that are being paid for, well, guess what? That payment it's gonna be really not much going into the principal of those taxes. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be going to those tax collection attorneys. Mm -hmm. So it's time that we go out there and set up RFPs, RFQs, whatever it is to once again, look after the best interest of the taxpayer. And that is by doing that. You know, uh, we did that at the uh, school district, you know, trying to make what, how can the organization help themselves and help the public? That is extremely important. And again, it's the leadership that needs to take action, even though the recommendation may be done by uh, me, the uh, county commissioners are going to have to approve something like that. But it's something that I am going to fight for because the taxpayer deserves representation if they elect me. Well, that's definitely a good thing, sir. One of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about was, and, and you know, it's it's not news, obviously it, it happened, but what ethical standards do you think uh, need to be employed within the department to ensure that personal conflicts of interests don't exist? I mean, we had the current uh, assessor collector a few years ago, go you know, get in, get indicted. Uh, you know, I have no idea what the whole deal was, right? But what can we do to ensure that that doesn't happen again? That there's no conflict of interests, uh, you know, with with within the office. Well, most organizations do have something in place that they need to uh, every year. They have to file a conflict of interest uh, form. And that's something that definitely someone needs to be looking after that, whether it be the auditor's office, you know, uh, it's important that somebody oversees because nobody is above the law. And I can tell you, I sleep comfortable at night. I have nothing to worry about and I am going to bring that and it's going to be important that that continues to be done because it's extremely important uh, nobody wants to pay taxes, but unfortunately, we do, and yeah. we need to make sure that that office is held accountable for. Absolutely. Well, what do you think about 
term limits. I mean, obviously, uh, the current occupant of the office has been there for like over 30 years. What what do you 35 think? years. 35 years. I'm sorry. 35 years. What do you think about that? I mean, should there be a term limit on 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 this office as well as any other office? Uh, uh, or do you think people should just be rewarded over and over again every time there is an election? I mean, it, 35 years is a lot of years. I can tell you that. It sure is. And, and you know, one of the things that uh, they're saying is, well, what experience do you have in tax collection uh, service? Well, I don't. Yeah. Because that office has been held by one individual for 35 years. Right. So what do I think about uh, term limits? It's a double-edged sword because, one, if you have a person that is doing a great job, wonderful. But if you have a person that is not, well, you know, that's where people end up losing in that. So right. it's good and bad. Yeah. Now, nobody has really ever run for this position. Uh, he's been there, what, since uh, 1998, something like that. Yeah. So, you know, nobody has had the opportunity. But then again, nobody has decided to run. Yeah. And I couldn't run. I mean, I was fully employed and uh, I was enjoying, I enjoyed my 32 years as a police officer. And, uh, well, and now is the time. I felt that it was needed as a result of the uh, increase on property evaluations, uh, the concerns, again, of the public, uh, you know, the customer service. All these things is the reason why I decided to launch myself to run for this position. Yeah. Well, definitely, like I said, I... I'm 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 with you when it comes to term limits. I mean, I've been on both sides of the issue with regards to them. You know, uh, term limits. You know, uh, is something that is a, it is a double edged sword because, you know, for example, people that run for Congress, for congressmen, for example, you know, they get elected every two years. Well, you know, they get elected once, and by the time you know it, they're already running for reelection, so they really don't get to do a whole lot. You know, because they're constantly trying to run for reelection, you know, and at the same time, you know, you also have people that are doing a good job, but they may only be able to run for two terms or three terms. And then you end up with somebody else that you really don't want. So it, it is a double edged sword. Yeah. But, you know, definitely 35 years is a lot of years, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I think that. I mean, I, I often wonder, you know, why didn't anybody just step up and run? You know, it, it almost seems like, you know, nobody wanted to, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely 35 years is quite a bit. I, I mean, not to be honest with you, a whole lot of people out there in the private sector don't even last 20 years at a normal job just because of the nature of the business, you know? Right. <laughs> You know. Well, you know what? And the interesting uh, thing about uh, the requirements for this office, uh, you know, they're very simple requirements. Yeah. You need to be a U.S. citizen, reside in Texas for the last 12 months, uh, reside in Ca uh, Cameron County for the past uh, six months, uh, be a registered voter in the county, 
be at least 18 years of age, not have a felony conviction, and do 20 hours of continuing education once you're in office within the first 90 days. Yeah. So why? I don't know, but I'm, there's a <laughs> lot of qualified people out there. And uh, that's the reason why I'm doing this, because I feel that I'm qualified. I have the leadership to be able to take over this office. Yeah. All righty. Well, one of the other things I wanted to kind of touch on a little bit is, is you know, you're, you're a veteran. You know, how, how long how, how long were you in the Air Force again? I did six years. Okay. And let me tell you, it was wonderful. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, I got the opportunity to travel abroad. Yeah. Uh, I was in Puerto Rico. I went to Germany twice. So it was wonderful, uh, you know. And of course, I joined the Air Force, and I thank the other branches, uh, all those uh, service <laughs> people serving right now. It's not easy, and uh, but you know what? We're a free country, thanks to those servicemen uh, and service women out there. Yeah. So thank you for your service. Yeah, I was going to ask you because you you know you said you were 32 years as a Brownsville Police Department officer. Were you a motorcycle cop by any chance? Actually, no. Uh, okay, I was good. a traffic That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> let me tell you about the motorcycle officers. A lot of people are like, oh, man, they're so mean. They're... <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, if you get pulled over by a motorcycle officer, 99% you're going to get a citation. <laughs> and the reason being is that is their job assignment. A lot of people think, Oh, they have quotas to meet. No, they don't have quotas to meet. It's, it's illegal, but they are assigned specifically to that. So yes, they are expected to issue citations. Okay. That is their primary function. And the most important thing is they do give breaks, Yeah. but that comes with attitude. Give respect and you never know you might get a break. Uh, <laughs> when I did traffic enforcement, I did it in a police car. I was the first car that had no lights on the outside. There were oh, all wow. internal lights. That's when the expressway was being uh, uh, widened with all the overpasses. That was my primary function to be out there on the expressway. And uh, very interesting. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to ask that because I wasn't sure if you'd been a motorcycle cop. And honestly, Today was the first time that I've seen one here on this part of town. Typically, I'll see them down on Coffee Port, uh, uh, eight hundred two, and that. But this the first time I w I was uh, driving home today, uh, picking up my daughter from school, and I told my daughter, I said, "Look, Chrissy, there's a motorcycle cop on this side." You know, I I hadn't seen one. Before. How many motorcycle cops do we have in the city these days? I really don't know at this yeah. point in time, but. Uh... What happens at times is when there are certain things happening on a certain part of town, let's say uh, an increase in accidents and stuff like that, or complaints, uh, there are special assignments that are given uh -huh. for these officers to go out there and patrol those areas. Uh, okay. So that could be one of the reasons why. Yeah, I see DPS quite a bit here on Paredes, but rarely do I see a motorcycle cop. And today was the first time and I was like, oh, wow. Oh, man, I hope they're not going to be here <laughs> too long, you know, but uh, but yeah, no. Well, 
you want to give some uh, closing comments or thought to the audience uh, with regards to, to you know, to yourself? What I want to say that as Cameron County Tax Assessor Collector, I am going to emphasize the important pillars of integrity and service. The public should have a high level of confidence that their hard earned tax dollars are being handled with the utmost integrity. Uh, no one, like I said earlier, no, no one wants to pay taxes, <laughs> but we all do. Right. And the handling to have the, to pay taxes, uh, again, we need to make sure that every penny goes to the appropriate entity. Uh, it's And it's a solemn responsibility and should be treated as such. And that's something that I'm going to do. Now, I'm enjoying campaigning uh, throughout the county. I, I'm sharing my vision uh, for the continued improvement of this tax office. But more importantly, uh, I want to listen to the ideas from the public about how we can improve the service to every taxpayer that calls Cameron County home. This is a great place to live and I want to help to make it even better. That's what I wanna do. And that's what I'm bringing to the table once I, I'm elected as your next tax assessor collector. Well, Mr. Garcia, it was a pleasure to have you uh, on tonight. I hope I wasn't too tough on you. I don't think I was. <laughs> but no, I you know what? And it's good. I'm glad and I hope to have other candidates uh, come up to this podcast. Uh, thank you for having me here. And again, you know, I encourage uh, for our taxpayers and every citizen out there to go out and vote. That's the only way that change is going to happen. Uh, make your voice count. Yeah. Well, I did tell you I wasn't going to have a surprise question, but I am going to ask you this question. Sunday, San Francisco or Kansas City? You know what? <laughs> there, there's a lot. It's going to be interesting. They're, they both wear red. Yeah. I'm going to go with Kansas City because Mahomes came from Texas Tech. Yeah. Even though his hook'em horns yeah. will be back in the <laughs> Well, tomorrow, as you know, we also uh, have a, a, a sports podcast. We've been doing a sports podcast since uh, August, and so we're going to have a preview tomorrow of the upcoming game. So uh, we'll be looking at statistics and so forth. So uh, to be honest with you, I was actually hoping for the Lions last week to have done well. I, I agree with you. I would have <laughs> loved to have seen them win their first Super Bowl. It would have been or great. Make it there. I mean, they hadn't even been to the playoffs since 1957. That is just incredible, you know. <laughs> but well, you uh, know, I feel sorry for Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders was a great back that the yards that he had, he did them himself. Yeah. You know, unlike other backs. Right. And uh, I would have liked to have seen Barry Sanders make it. Yeah. And that's why I was hoping for the Lions as well. Right. But now we're going for the Chiefs. That's right. And of course, next year will be our year, just like every year. <laughs> that's right. Hey, at least we have 
front uh, row seats. That's, that's right. For sure. That's right. Comfortable front row seats. All righty, Mr. Garcia. Well, it was a pleasure having you on tonight. Everybody, there's early voting starting on what day? It's going to be February 20th through March 1st, Election Day. It's going to be March 5th. Again, make sure that you either select Republican or Democrat. You're in general election in November. That is when you can cross lines and vote across party lines. And as always, as always, regardless of what your political affi affiliation is, get out there and vote. Because without you voting, you don't have a voice. That's right. That's right. All right, Mr. Garcia. Well, you have a great evening. Good luck. And I hope to have you back uh, after you're elected. Definitely. And don't forget, Eddie Garcia for Tax Assessor Collective. All righty. Thank you, sir. Good night. Good night.